Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through Ephesians, and in the previous message I was focusing on the first part of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, "...the eyes of your understanding being enlightened." that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And then the second part, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what I was doing in the previous message was blending verse 17 to verse 18 with regards to the wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God, that this should, of course, be a big part of the hope of his calling, that he has called to us, And because he has called to us, he has given us some hope that we may know who he is, that he may give us revelation, that he may give us wisdom, that this is an important part of the hope that we get to embrace because our God has reached out to us, because he's called out to us as people who he wants to have in his life. You know, in most cases, people will turn to God when they are experiencing a significant change in their lives. And these changes usually have to do with losing what they had before, and they are now going to reconstruct and rebuild their lives into something new. This is a common reason as to why people will turn to God. It usually has something to do with the fact that they're losing some sense of hope, They could be exceptionally depressed because their life has changed in a way that they have experienced a significant amount of loss. There are, of course, many reasons why people are motivated to search out their God. But a lot of these reasons have to do with a person needing some sense of hope in their lives for what they may be able to have in the future. In other words, they're looking to God to give them something that they have lost, that they would like to have, and they may be in a circumstance in their lives where they need some additional help. They need some divine intervention in their lives because they are struggling in the midst of their circumstances. So what happens is is that people will often turn to God because they want something from Him. You know, God, just give me something. And, you know, these may be some legitimate concerns. People may be at risk of losing their place to live. They might be faced with some significant health issues. You know, there are serious problems that that we run into in our lives. And so calling out to God for some divine intervention is common. It's not unrealistic at all. But these reasons don't normally have anything to do With God, will you give me some revelation about who you are as a person? People are not normally thinking in those terms. They're usually thinking about other things. They're thinking about 
themselves. They're not thinking about God. They're thinking about themselves. And they're giving God an invitation, you know, like it's an opportunity for God. Here you go, God. Here's your chance. Here's your opportunity. Now you can come into my life and let's see what you can do. You know, if you will do this, if you will do that, you know, maybe I'll believe in you. You know, maybe I'll take some time to read the Bible. I will commit myself to being a Christian. If you, of course, perform and give me some sense of hope in this, what seems to be absolutely hopeless situation. And, you know, he might respond. He might very well do something. He might intervene in your life in a divine way. And when he does, maybe you'll fulfill your end of what you claimed you would do. Or maybe you won't. Maybe you'll need to have another crisis come up in your life. But then if that happens, then do you suppose God is going to take you seriously if you decide to have a similar conversation with him as you have before? These could be some interesting questions and some interesting issues. But when people are looking for hope, they're looking for hope for themselves and for their own lives. They have discovered that there is a significant difference between the way things are and the way they would really like things to be. But what I want you to see from this passage here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, is that God is giving himself, he's offering himself, that this is his solution to our need for a sense of hope. That if you would like to have hope in the world that he has created, that he has designed, then you might want to consider the kind of hope that he is offering. And what he is offering is often quite different from what it is that people would like him to give. So because of this disconnect between what he's offering and what people want from him, it's not unusual for there to be nothing between God and people. Because he is not going to be manipulated, and these people are not often interested in what God has to offer in terms of himself anyway. They just want his stuff, or they want him to make some special deliveries of some kind, or intervene in a divine way so that they can have what it is that they genuinely want, or that they think they genuinely want. What we really want, what we really have a need for, is our God, because he created us in such a way that we will never truly experience any sense of peace and rest in our souls, in our spirits, in the inner part of our being, unless we have a sound, complete, and true, real relationship with our God. That's how he created us. So what we think we want is not necessarily what we want. People will often discover this when they finally do get whatever it is that they want, and they discover... You know, this just isn't meeting the deepest needs that I have, like I thought that it would. And that's because we have a need for the love of God, the acceptance of God. We have a need for his sense of wisdom and understanding. We have a need for purpose in our lives that can only really be defined through our creator and through our relationship with him and through our participation in the kinds of things that he's involved in, which have to do with why he created this world to begin with. And this is why Paul refers to these things that he prays that we will receive, that God will give to us 
these things, that our hope will be established through these things. Again, in verse 16, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Not the hope of what you want or the hope that you desire, that you think you really need, but the hope of why he calls out to us, why he wants to be in our lives and why he wants us to be in his life, because this is what he created us for. So for those very few who will get past their own fleshly desires, you know, the fleshly desires can be a wonderful start. I don't want to take that away completely, because these often are things that draw people to God, and if they do, then by all means, let's use them, but they will not last Eventually, a person is going to be confronted with the reality that what they want from God is not necessarily what he is going to give. And so they have to decide, are they going to continue to pursue a knowledge and understanding of him for what he is willing to give? Or are they going to abandon him altogether because what he is offering is just simply not of interest to them? This is an important decision that people will have to make. And hopefully when they are drawn to him by the desires of their flesh in most cases, hopefully when they are drawn to him, they will discover enough about the reality of his existence and the reality of who he is that they will continue long enough to embrace what he is genuinely offering them. And some people do. Most people, from my experience, do not, but some people do. And as long as there are some, you know, that's a lot better than none. And so I do encourage people to turn to him for whatever reason. But in the end, if you're going to stick with him, it's going to have to be for the reasons that he is willing to have a relationship with you. Now, we do have a God who does want to give. He has a lot to give to us. And in the previous programs throughout this chapter, I've spoken about the subject of the inheritance, that you may come to know the inheritance that you have received in Christ Jesus. And I have presented the subject of the inheritance as being different from what most people are looking to get from God which often has to do with the indulgence of their flesh. But instead, there are other things that he is giving in the context of an inheritance to people, which are the things that we genuinely need in the core of our being in order to give us the sense of peace and rest and completeness that our God created us for. And this is an important pursuit to understand the inheritance that you have received because you have become a child of God, and this inheritance is what you have received as a result of the invocation of his will through the death of Jesus on the cross. And this is a very important part of our growth and maturity in Christ Jesus to discover what we have received as an inheritance and to learn how we might be able to apply that in our daily lives, this can very well be a significant part 
of the revelation that God gives to us concerning the way that he relates to us and the revelation of the wisdom that he shares with us in terms of how we may be able to use what we have been given in our daily lives, what we have been given as our inheritance in Christ. But here in verse 18, the second part of verse 18, there is another context of the inheritance. In the second part of verse 18, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Now, the saints receive an inheritance from him, but he also receives us as an inheritance using this word inheritance in an abstract way to say that this is not just about you. It's also about him. It's not just about what you are going to get from God. It's also about what God is going to get from and within you, that he receives an inheritance because of the death of the Messiah. And of course, the Messiah resurrected from the dead. There is much more to say about that. But in the context of the invocation of a will, that it goes into effect when the testator, the person who wrote it, dies. In this context, through the abstraction of the will and through the death of the testator, the one who wrote it, through the death of the Messiah, the one who is God manifested in the flesh, his children have received an inheritance, but he also has received an inheritance through the death of the Messiah, in this sense. So not only do we get something, but God gets something out of this as well. That's another way to say this. And so while we can easily become consumed with what it is that we're going to get from God, well, what is it that God is going to get from us? What is he going to get out of all of this? And here in verse 18, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, we have Paul describing the fact that God gets us that he is going to get people who are in his life because they want to be in his life. And this is described as something that he receives as a result of the death of Christ. This is his part of the inheritance. Another way to think about this would be sort of like thinking of a coin, that you have two sides to a coin. In that way, you also have two sides to the cross. You have what we receive because of what he accomplished through the cross and the resurrection, and you have what he gets to experience and have because of what he accomplished through the cross and the resurrection. Just as you receive an inheritance as a child of God, he receives you as an inheritance as a result of the death of the Messiah He receives children himself. He receives people. So you receive an inheritance, which in a sense is him. You receive him as a person. And he receives a collection of people who will be children for himself, who will be people who will be in his life throughout all eternity because they want to be. 
And he is going to be in your life because he wants to be within, of course, certain boundaries and conditions and on the basis of the relationship that he is willing to have. But this is the greater scope of the subject of the inheritance. In the previous message, I spoke about the truth being revealed in layers, that we understand the truth that God reveals to us a little bit at a time, that there are some things that he relates to us later, that he will relate to us some things now, other things later, and that quite often is necessary for us to understand the previous things, those that he reveals earlier in our life in Christ, and then based on the fact that we embrace those things, we understand those things, he can then show us other things. This is a basic example. It is a fundamental example that first he begins with you understanding that you have received an inheritance, and then there is an opportunity to understand that God receives an inheritance as well. That it's not just about what you're going to get from God, but it's also what he is going to get from and through you. That is not just all about you, but God gets to experience some benefit concerning this relationship as well. And of course, because of the definition of the gospel, the way that he has presented it, the way he has called out to the entire world, only those who really want to know him will be those who will surrender to the gospel, embrace the new covenant, be made into a child of God, a living person, and through these decisions that people make to surrender to the new covenant, God acquires a people for himself. So again, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And so the hope of his calling is not just the inheritance that you will receive, but the hope of his calling is that you will be someone who he receives and that this is something that is good. And this is something that you can have in terms of a sense of hope. You will belong to God. You will be a part of the family of God. You will have a place with him. These are all things that will meet the deepest need that you have for a sense of hope, especially in the world that we are a part of that often tends to provide us with experiences that will challenge our sense of hope for much of anything. You know, sometimes we may easily lose our place in our society. We may lose our relationships with those who are close to us, even our family. These are real risks that people experience all the time in their daily lives. I myself, when I decided to become a Christian, when I decided to embrace truth and reality as God has defined it in the scriptures, everyone who I knew of my family totally rejected me. And to this day, I am an offense. I am offensive to all of those who you would think or you would hope would be people who would want me to be in their lives forever. But no, I am an absolute disgrace. My very existence offends all of those 
who would be considered to be my family. Every single person who I had in my life prior to coming to know the Lord, to them I am a significant embarrassment in many ways, just because I take a position concerning what is truth. There is a God, and I believe what he has had to say. So this is just example that a lot of people know that, sure, they could lose their family. They could lose their place in society. They could lose their relationships with those who are close to them. They might lose their place to live. There are many opportunities to suffer in this world. But the hope that we have in Christ Jesus in terms of our place with him, of our being a part of his family throughout eternity, this is something that a person can really hold on to to satisfy the deepest desire and the deepest need for hope in who they are, especially as we get older and we get closer to the end of our lives, realizing that what we had hoped for, maybe, in the world never transpired, and it probably never will. But what we can hope for in heaven is something that draws closer and closer every day as we will then experience the fullness of the inheritance that we have already received because we are children of God. But again, what Paul is emphasizing at the end of verse 18 is that God receives you. He receives us. He receives saints as an inheritance to himself. So in the beginning of verse 18, he speaks of the hope of his calling, that you may know what the hope is of his calling, really it begins with the fact that he is going to get you in his life. And because you are in his life, you have an opportunity to know the magnitude of the hope that you can rest in because of the truth that you are his, that he has received you as an inheritance. And so, yes, we can be very thankful for the fact that we have received an inheritance from our God. And that can give us a sense of peace and joy and hope because, of course, we are often consumed with ourselves thinking about what is it that we are going to get in this world or out of this world or from God, what's in it for us. But it really needs to start, if you are able to consider this, It really needs to start with what God gets out of you. And what he gets is he gets a person in his life because you want to be in his life. That's his part. That's his gain in terms of the inheritance. And that is the fulfillment of his hope that he may have somebody in his life because they want to be in his life that he may have someone who knows him because they want to know him. And then through that, through knowing him, through knowing your God, you will know what the hope is of his calling you. There are many ways that God gives us hope concerning his calling. And so this would be a good thing for you to ask God, for you to ask him to reveal to you, which means he's going to give you some revelation concerning the hope of his calling for you. What do you have to look forward to now? He has called out to you, and because of that, you can have a tremendous amount of hope, especially in comparison with the lack of hope that you may find yourself experiencing in the world that you are a part of. And so I would encourage you to ask him in prayer, 
to give you revelation concerning the hope of his calling for you. And I will continue with this in the next program. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.